0: Irish Cream Cold Brew with Cold Foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try Cold Foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating in U.S. locations. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network,
1: Welcome back to the x My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. Our toll-free number is 1-877-528-8255. Email xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, Talkstar Radio at hotmail.com, and our two websites, www.xonetv.com. There's where you can watch and listen to the show live from our studios in Hamilton, and dot com is our main website. Richard Salva is my special guest this hour. He is a minister and a 30-year expert on past lives. He has lectured widely on yoga philosophy, reincarnation, and history in the United States and in Europe. His recent book, Soul Journey from Lincoln to Lindbergh, has received five stars from Forward Clarion Reviews and the Midwest Book Review. To learn more about a special offer related to Richard's book, visit his website at www.lincolnreincarnation.com. And Richard Salva, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Nice talking to you, Richard. Um, tell us a little bit about your book.
2: Yes. Um, about ten years ago, I was in between writing projects, and as a minister and a spiritual person, I decided to open myself up to the universe uh, to uh, ask for some guidance and prayers, so, as I was seated on the airplane uh, and I opened myself up, within less than a minute's time, the idea for this book came to me. And uh, it's actually based on a statement by a great master of yoga who said uh, his name is uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Now, many people are familiar with Yogananda's photograph because it's on the Sgt. Pepper album. Mm-hmm. He uh, influenced the Beatles and Elvis Presley and millions of people throughout the world. But about 60 years ago, Yogananda said that Abraham Lincoln had been an advanced Himalayan yogi in a past life and that he was reborn as Charles Lindbergh. And uh, this thought came to me while I was on that airplane, why don't you research these two men? I mean, here are two men whose lives have been so deeply chronicled that if there were evidence of reincarnation, past lives, karma, and so on between them, that it should be possible to find it. And also at that point, I had already spent more than 20 years studying and practicing the teachings of Himalayan yogis, so if there were evidence, too, of a past-life immersion in the deeper teachings of yoga, it should be possible for me to spot them. And, uh, you know, Rob, going into this, I didn't know what I would find. I thought I might find a few interesting connections. But I was overwhelmed by the quality and quantity of uh, evidence there was of connections between the two men Uh, I ended up discovering nearly 500 fascinating similarities and uh, connections between Abraham Lincoln and Charles Lindbergh, more than 200 between Abraham Lincoln and the ancient spiritual science of yoga, and more than 100 between Charles Lindbergh and the path of yoga. And uh, these connections aren't just the regular sort of connections that Everyone has, you know, like for you and I, that we both like pizza and the Beatles or something like that. But mental obsessions, physical habits, uh, social preferences, uh, it even ranged into the spiritual. In fact, the second half of my book shows how closely aligned they were, which is something that probably most people wouldn't expect, that Abraham Lincoln and Charles Lindbergh, when you look at their own daily habits, how closely aligned they were actually spiritually.
1: All right, Richard, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Richard Solva is our special guest, ExoNation, www.lincolnreincarnation.com. The name of Richard's uh, new book is entitled, all right, do you have your pencils and paper re- ready? You do? That's fine, because here we go. Soul Journey from Lincoln to Lindbergh. And once again, the website is www.lincolnreincarnation.com. Dot com and Richard Salva and I will be back on the other side of this two minute commercial break as the Exxon continues on the Talkstar Radio Network. 1-877-528-8255 is toll free. Our email address Exxon at talkstarradio Now uh, we've received a number of calls from listeners uh, around the world about William Federer. We had to we ran out of time last night with William. So William Federer will be back tomorrow night in hour number three that is 9 to 10 Pacific, to finish off talking about his new book, All About Islam. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The X-Zone. And I'll be back with our special guest this hour, Richard Salva, right on the other side of this two-minute break, as we continue live and around the world from our Hamilton, Ontario. Salva is our very special guest. He's the author of Soul Journey. And, uh, Richard, I was wondering if anything unusual happened while you were researching this book.
2: Yes, yes. In fact, um, it was rather fascinating that uh, I would be reading about Abraham Lincoln and uh, in a book, in a biography of him, one of the history books. And it would give me some detail about him, one of his quirks or one of his habits or so on. And already uh, in my research on Lindbergh, it would make me wonder if there perhaps there was a connection, a similarity in the life of Lindbergh. And the next day I would be in a bookstore or a library, and I would see a book and I would just feel compelled to pull it off the shelf. And it might not have been a book specifically about Lindbergh per se, but something would compel me to pull it off the shelf and open it. And whenever I did that, I would find on the the exact same page that I opened to, the answer to the question I was looking at looking for, and uh, this happened not only once, but uh, over and over again. It was really quite fascinating.
1: Richard, did you visit any places made famous by their association with uh, Lincoln or Lindbergh?
2: Yes, yes, actually. um, I made a trip to Illinois, to the Uh heartland, to the land of Lincoln, and went to Springfield, which was Abraham Lincoln's hometown. And uh, as a, a yogi, as somebody who meditates for hours every day and has done so for over 30 years now, I've become sensitive to energies. Uh, if I would go to, say, Assisi, I would feel uh, in a certain spot St. Francis's energy, and it would be very uplifting and it would be very beautiful. And then I would go down the road and feel St. Clair's energy, and it would also be uplifting but in a different way. So I decided to make this trip because I wanted to really feel uh, not only to, I didn't want to just have it a mental thing that I was seeing all these connections which were quite fascinating. I wanted to feel the connection between the two men. So I went to Springfield and I went to Lincoln's uh, home, which is a uh, park site. You can go there and you can enter, and a park employee will take you around. Also to his law office. There's a beautiful, beautiful energy there. There's like a light shining through there, and you can understand that because. Lincoln was in charge of that law office. He was a senior partner of the law office of Lincoln and Herndon, and, and uh, pretty much his political goals were formed there, and his, his life mission was clarified there, so you can really feel that light there. And I also went down the road from Springfield to a small frontier town of New Salem where, where Lincoln got his legs as a young man, where he has got his first job as a postmaster, which, strangely enough, Lindbergh used to fly over where Lindbergh was postmaster and he was delivering the airmail. Lindbergh was. But uh, anyway, I I felt Lincoln's energy there, and it was very beautiful. I could feel what Yogananda had said, that he was an advanced spiritual soul, that he'd been a Himalayan yogi in a past life, and it was just a beautiful energy, like a light. The only thing was there was this sadness that I could feel. You could see this melancholy in the photographs of Lincoln. He was well-known is melancholy, and, and you could feel that, too, if you're sensitive, if you go to the places where you live, and I highly recommend that people who are sensitive go there and meditate there. But the next day, I took a plane to Minnesota, and I drove up to central Minnesota to a town called Little Falls, and this is where Lindbergh had his home when he was a young boy, and uh, when I set foot on the land where Charles Lindbergh had lived and played as a young boy, my knees almost buckled because... I I felt the same exact energy that I felt the day before at the Lincoln Sites. Only here, it was interesting. It was was as if uh, the sadness that I had felt, the melancholy that I felt at the Lincoln Sites was gone. And the only way that I can explain it it was that all the selfless acts that Lincoln had done during his lifetime Mm -hmm. had helped to free him from whatever karma it was that had made him suffer from melancholy during that life. Because for Lindbergh, nothing really seemed to bother him. He was able to keep his mind and his spirit on a fairly even keel throughout his life, no matter what happened.
1: What did writing Soul Journey teach you about reincarnation, Richard?
2: Oh, it taught me a great deal. You know, before, before writing this book, I had my own experiences of reincarnation. In fact, like for the last five years before I started this book, I spent almost a daily, on a daily basis having these experiences that would just kind of overwhelmed me and overpowered me, and it taught me a lot about reincarnation and karma. For instance, I went to a battlefield in Europe, and while I sat there on the battlefield while these sheep nudged me, because it's a sheep meadow now, Mm -hmm. um, I could see the battle happening before my eyes as if superimposed on the landscape. I never had an experience like that before or since, but it was a very powerful one, and I really uh, had a deep sense that I'd actually been there at that battle. It wasn't someone else's experience. It was my own experience in a past life. So I'd had these sort of experiences and I believed in reincarnation for a long time. But when I worked on this book, you know, there were so many connections and so many aspects of their lives. It was almost like the same lifetime with a little bit of a gap in between the two. That uh, that Lincoln Lindberg helped to finish up much of the, the karma, much of the of the, the things that Lincoln had started in his lifetime, and he also helped to kind of free him a lot because for Abraham Lincoln, he had visions, even as a young boy, of what he would do in his life, and so he didn't have a lot of freedom to just do whatever he wanted, whereas Lindbergh had the opposite. He had so much freedom that he could just travel all around the world. Uh, he chose a vocation that helped him to do what was uh, something that was dear, near and dear to his heart, and that mm-hmm. was also the habit of Abraham Lincoln's, which was cutting-edge transportation. And uh, so you you see these sort of connections going between the two lives, and they crisscross so much that just studying them and just working on this book just taught me a great deal about reincarnation. And I'm told by people who read it that they also learn about about their own past lives while reading it.
1: Tell me, um, what evidence did you find that Abraham Lincoln's spirit survived his assassination?
2: Yes, well... You know, one of the things that Yogananda used to say was that the thoughts that we hold on the last day of our lives are very important and can have a big impact on our next life. And, you know, when uh, I read read the uh, chronicles of uh, the interviews with Mary Todd Lincoln, Mm -hmm. for instance, uh, Abraham and Mary went for a ride uh, from the White House uh, before he went to Ford's Theater where he was assassinated, And they talked about their lives, and and, uh, Abe said to Mary, you know, we've gone through a lot, but I'd really like to get back to uh, Illinois after the second term of office is over. You know, this war will be over, and we'll be able to enjoy ourselves like before. He was really pining for the Midwest. He was pining for the prairie lands, He was pining for the experience he had of that home in Springfield and returning to it. But, of course, he within a few hours, he was away from the world, and he wasn't able to experience that. But, you know, when you have a desire like that, especially at the end of your life, it does have an impact on your next life. And we see in the life of Charles Lindbergh. Before he flew the Atlantic, his job was, as I mentioned, he was carrying air mail. And where was he carrying it? Well, he was flying from St. Louis to Chicago, and he had to devise this mail route that went through Springfield, it went through Peoria, it went through towns that uh, Lincoln was deeply familiar with, and so uh, almost on a daily basis, Charles Lindbergh was gazed from above like an angel riding a cloud at the land that Lincoln had deeply missed on the last day of his life. So um, there's just one example, but there are numerous examples of things that uh, Lincoln had said and wanted to do, especially in the last day of his life, like traveling through Europe, seeing Jerusalem, and so on that Charles Lindbergh was able to fulfill those desires.
1: How many connections did you find between Lindbergh and Lincoln again?
2: Yes, as I mentioned, there were nearly 500 wow. of them, which was just, a, just extraordinary. And you know, Rob, uh, for anyone who writes a book like this, you can't really put everything that you find into the book. No. Uh, oftentimes, I would find connections that were similar to other connections, so I would just leave them out. I tried to put the best of what I found in the book, but you know there was even a great deal more. And I've got, and in fact, I'm looking at it. I've got this Lincoln and Lindbergh library, and there's sticky notes sticking out of all the books of of things that I just didn't think would fit into the book. Either was too unusual or didn't seem to fit for one reason or another. But so there was there was even a lot more than that. So I I, I mentioned that uh, for many people. When you're reading this, as you go along by the end of the book, you say, well, you know, you really start to see the old uh, Abe just sort of coming out of, of the life of Lindbergh, and you can see his stovepipe his hat, and you see his beard, and so on like that. But for me, since there's so much that I didn't put in the book that I uh, remembered finding, for me, I could see every single wrinkle and the wart on his cheek, you know. <laughs> every little detail there really became a, a real uh, powerful, powerful connection for me
1: now you say that your book offers a vicarious experience of reincarnation what do you mean by that
2: well when you read about these many connections it goes in depth into both men's lives and this is the first study that does so there are many studies that point out a few connections between individuals and try to make an argument that perhaps this might be a case of reincarnation perhaps some of them are true but in this instance It goes so deeply into their lives and shows so many how every pretty much everything that defines an individual, you know, everything. Well, we know you because you always do this. You can find a connection between Lincoln and Lindbergh, and because of that, um, what you start to see when you're reading this book, and what I experienced while writing this book, is you start to see the the connections in your own life. You start to see those aspects of yourself that you came in with, that you've always been this way even since you were a child, that you always tended to react this way to this particular situation or set of circumstances, and uh, that uh, the, and the senses of deja vu when we've gone to places we've never been before and suddenly everything there seems so sort of really familiar. Or you meet somebody that, you you know, for the first mm-hmm. time, and it's it like you've clicks. always known them and you just feel like, you know, this must be a, you know, that's why people start talking about soulmates, yeah. because... It's not just, you know, it doesn't even have to be a male-female thing or a relationship-oriented thing. It could just be a friend, and you could go to the other side of the world and run into them on some sort of tour, and you just feel like, gee, this person is like my dearest friend, and I feel like I've known them forever. But uh, when tying all those together... And you really start to get a sense of a vicarious sense of experiencing reincarnation through the lives of Lincoln and Mr. Richard.
1: Right. Please stand by. We have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Richard Salva is our very special guest, and we're talking about Richard's new book entitled Soul Journey. It's available at his website at www.lincolnreincarnation.com. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com and our two websites, www.exonetv.com. That's where you can watch and listen to the show live from our studio in Hamilton, Ontario and our main website, www.exoneradio.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. Chasing 120 by Monty Wolverton. Get your copy today at www.ptm.org forward slash 120 or on amazon.com. The ability to access the knowledge of the universe is much easier for us to access than we may believe. Brad Johnson, Conscious Matrix communicator, is one of these unique individuals who is able to access a strong connection to the universal mind. Through his connection, Brad has assisted thousands of clients from all over the world through natural intuitive assistance. The intuitive information received is vast, covering a wide range of subjects. Brad's innate ability includes being able to access one's own universal matrix to help them realize their potential to create a life of profound greatness. One-on-one private sessions with Brad Johnson are available to anyone from around the world. Brad is also a proficiently trained psychic, Akashic Records Reader, an online spiritual teacher, founder of his own unique and powerful healing system, Body Regeneration Healing, as well as a professional conscious channeler in communication with his own higher self-consciousness known as Adronis. For more information or to book a service appointment with Brad Johnson, visit his website at www.consciousmatrix.com. That's www.consciousmatrix.com. with mm-hmm. And welcome back to The X-Zone, everyone. Uh, this portion of The x is being brought to you by Ken Klein Productions, bringing mysteries into the light of day. www.kenkleintv.com and Technon, the science of survival. When danger strikes, are you prepared? Their website, www.technonllc.com Richard Salva is my special guest. We're talking about Richard's book. It's called... Soul Journey from Lincoln to Lindbergh, and his website is www.lincolnreincarnation.com. What is karma, Richard?
2: Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I think uh, many people mistakenly believe that uh, karma means punishment. You Mm -hmm. hear people using it on reality shows like uh, uh, Survivor or uh, the... uh, Amazing Race, for instance, and you mm-hmm. say, oh, so-and-so is really going to get their karma back after having done something or other. But you know, the word karma literally means action. And it's the uh, spiritual counterpart to uh, Newton's third law of motion, which says that Constant for every action, reaction. there is an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. So for whatever we put out will come back to us, either positive or negative. And there's no thought of punishment behind it. It's just an impersonal teaching tool of the universe. Uh, it's, it's like if you put your hand, for instance, on a burning stove, the stove doesn't want to hurt you and the laws of physics don't want to hurt you, but if you were to leave your hand on that stove, you would destroy your hand. And in the same way, in a spiritual sense, if whenever we we reach out and whack somebody, we get whacked in return sooner or later. And through this, we we learn the right way to behave but we see the law of karma functioning in the lives of uh, Lincoln and Lindbergh. Just to give you one quick example sure. uh, Abraham Lincoln was invited by his father when his dad was on his deathbed to come visit him He, but uh, Lincoln didn't go he didn't have a very good connection with his dad and he wrote to him and he said you know if we were to meet now my, things might not go so well but I leave you in the hands of our Heavenly Father and so instead of going to visit his dad when he was dying, he, he wrote him a letter. And Charles Lindbergh, on the other hand, had a very different connection with his father. He, he had a very loving father. They were very close, actually. And uh, when Lindbergh's father was dying, Lindbergh wanted to be able to go, but uh, circumstances made it impossible for him to do so. He was in the army, and he couldn't leave. So the best that he would be able to do would be to, to write a letter and this is how the karmic law teaches us, that it teaches us how important it can be when uh, someone is in that sort of state to go visit them. You have those sort of experiences over and over in a number of lifetimes, and then we learn that lesson and we move on from that to the next lesson.
1: All right, Richard, did did Lincoln and Lindbergh marry the same woman?
2: <laughs> That's a good question, too. Huh. Um, you might think so. It's a... There are many similar. There are a number, actually, of similarities between Mary Todd Lincoln and Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Not the least of which is that they both came from prominent families, and therefore they they each went uh, in in public by these three names. Uh, They were both about a foot shorter than their husbands, Um, and uh, there there they there are a few other connections too. They both spoke French, for instance. But uh, if you look at their personalities. In depth into the person, you start to see a real dichotomy between Mary Todd and between Ann Morrow. There doesn't really seem to be a connection there. Uh, just to give you one example, Mary used to just uh, speak to complete strangers about really in depth things in her life, you know, things that most people would hold to their chest. She would just share with others, whereas Mm -hmm. Ann Morrow was much more quiet and she didn't really share those, tend to share those sort of things, even sometimes with her own family. And uh, when you have this sort of a difference in personality, you have to say, well, this doesn't really seem like an instance of reincarnation. But the fascinating thing is that there was a young woman in Abraham Lincoln's life when he was a young man who uh, had the same name. Her name was Ann Rutledge as Ann Morrow. Uh, she shared many of the personality traits of Ann uh, Morrow. And uh, they w- actually Lincoln was engaged to be married this young woman when he was 26 and she was 22, and Lindbergh got engaged to Ann Morrow when he was 26 and she was 22, um, Lincoln never ended up marrying this young woman because she died. And in fact, uh, Lincoln's law partner, Herndon, uh, states that uh, this was the reason for Lincoln's melancholy, that when uh, this young woman who he felt so close to passed away, that uh, he started to... Uh, He carried that grief with him throughout the rest of his life. So you see here a possibility of star-crossed lovers coming back together again in in their next lifetime.
1: All right, but where do we draw the line between coincidence and reincarnation? What separates the two?
2: I I think there are many coincidences in life, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's a question that each of us has to answer for ourselves. For me, after having worked on this book and seeing so much that covers so many aspects of life, it really seems like a powerful evidence that reincarnation is real. And I think if you just have a handful of connections between two people, that would really be uh, hard to say for sure whether that could be a case of reincarnation. One thing that one of those uh, connections that uh, seem to pop up in people's minds are the fascinating similarities between the assassination of Abraham Lincoln and the assassination of JFK. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when I look at those connections and I've studied them just out of interest, I've noticed that uh, most of those are coincidental, most of them are superficial, the number of letters and the vice president's name and the fact that uh, one assassin went from a warehouse to a theater and one went from a theater to a warehouse and uh, different things like that that don't really seem to have much meaning to them, but are, are very interesting. to me, it's almost like a time warp from one century to the next, or perhaps a national karma that needed to be played out again. Some lesson for our country to learn, I don't know. It's a tough thing for the soul. The person who has to go through that sure. lesson. But, um, you know, it, it, it really is uh, something that each person has to decide for
1: themselves. All right. In, in the case of Lindbergh, and uh, President Lincoln, when they are reborn or reincarnated, would they have any physical characteristics that yes, would... Yes,
2: well, sometimes we often we carry these characteristics with us because we get used to a certain body types. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look into a mirror and you see a face for 70 years. It's mostly the same changes as we grow older, but a lot of it is, is so similar there. Uh, when our souls reincarnate, Yogananda said that when, um, uh, when a conception happens, when the sperm and ovum unite, that there's a flash in the ether, and then every soul that is in tune with that flash, that has some karma with those parents, some karma with that family, some right. karma that needs to be fulfilled in a lifetime that would start right at that point, uh, gravitate very quickly. Do that flash, and those who win that race are you and I. We, we won the race, and so we're in these physical bodies. Um, but um, the the um, um, I'm sorry. What was the question again? Come back. Here.
1: Would Lincoln and uh, Lindbergh share any of the same physical characteristics or traits? Yes,
2: yes. So when when the soul enters that that womb in that physical mm-hmm. body, uh, it's the the body starts at the base of the brain of the Bandula oblongata, and goes up from that and that's the seat of the ego and it's the soul that d- directs the forming of that physical body and uh, so uh, it, many traits that it's used to either being tall or short or heavy set or thin or things like that will just um, just manifest through the consciousness of the soul that's directing the forming of that physical body and we see Similarities in physical traits between Lincoln and Lindbergh. They were almost exactly the same height and weight. Um, They were both, Lindbergh was called Slim, and Lincoln was thin to the very end of his life. Um, They both had this habit of pushing their lower lip out as if in deep thought. They had a a forehead that was similar shape, and uh, uh, their eyes were almost exactly the same. In fact, if you look at photographs, and you compare the eyes of the two men, you start to see this connection between the two. Yogananda used to ascribe to that thought that the eyes are the window of the soul. And uh, their eyes were almost exactly the same color, but there's a look in the eye that's unique. It's like a thumbprint. It can't be duplicated. And when you see that same look looking out from two people's eyes, and you see evidence there of reincarnation. But they had this tendency to look at people as if from a distance, as if they were still a Himalayan yogi sitting up in a cave, you know, looking at uh, mankind from up above, and uh, they had that tendency to sort of study people that way. Uh, They also used to hunch their shoulders. They, they, They both had these physical correlations that are in one of the early chapters of my book.
1: In today's science, when we know so much or we're starting to learn about genetics and DNA, do you think that, in the future, we'll be able to trace the actual existence of somebody prior to their physical being here on earth a second or third or fourth time by DNA?
2: Well, uh, there's a problem with that is that the DNA exists on the physical plane, mm-hmm. whereas what we're talking about is a a, a spiritual reality. and I think that it, 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 the the spiritual realm transcends the physical. It can make use of it, but it can't be defined by you can't uh, you can't really quite nail it down. That's why we we try so hard to to find you know convincing, conclusive physical evidence in this in this physical world of a spiritual reality, but uh, you never can get it right to a point where everyone would have to agree oh, that was absolutely true. And so um, I I don't think it would be possible really to to make that sort of a Uh, a conclusion using physical
1: means. Is there any way to prove the existence of reincarnation scientifically?
2: You know, there was a a man who worked on trying to use scientific methods uh, to prove reincarnation. Uh, His name was Ian Stevenson, and he uh, taught at the University of Virginia. And uh, he wrote a number of studies where he went out into the field in different parts of the world and met young people who had memories, they said, of a past life. And uh, he would use scientific methods to, uh, to check these case studies and compare them. Mm-hmm. And it's a very fascinating and interesting study. But I think mine is also an interesting study because it uh, shows evidence of reincarnation in the pages of history, connections that people... Had never known of, and it's really quite amazing. But again, as I say, I, I don't think it'd be possible to to create a or to find a, a fine or or conclusive uh, evidence of reincarnation in the physical world.
1: So, where do we look for this proof?
2: Um, well, as I did, you have to look in the connections between the two people, uh, studying their lives, studying their physical bodies, studying their habits, uh, their way of looking at things. I think, for my book especially, the thing that is most uh, that makes the strongest gives the strongest evidence for reincarnation is the spiritual, because that's the deepest part of who and what we are. You know, when somebody reincarnates, uh, if they're an angel in one lifetime, they won't be a devil in the next. And you see in the lives of Lincoln and Lindbergh that they both had these these habits, these spiritual habits that one would develop if you were a Himalayan yogi in a past life. I take you through the, uh, the deeper teachings of yoga, especially the central path of yoga, mm-hmm. which was uh, written about many thousands of years ago by a great sage named Patanjali. And these are all moral guidelines. And when you go through and you compare the two men, you see that they're pretty much exactly the same, that they had the same... Uh, virtues, in in the same kind of virtues, and pretty much to the exact same degree. Uh, Just to give you one example, both men were so utterly truthful, especially Lindbergh when he was a young man, and Lincoln pretty much all his life, that they were shocked if anybody were to lie to them. Uh, Lincoln had an agreement with uh, Stephen Douglas that neither would campaign during a certain time when they were both uh, having their debates in Illinois, and uh, Douglas. Douglas broke his word and they gave his speech, and Lincoln was just utterly shocked by that, and he never quite trusted Douglas after that. And, uh, you know, when Charles Lindbergh had flown the Atlantic, he had these connections with uh, certain reporters that said, oh, well, you know, uh, give me your story, and then I'll write it down just as you tell uh, to me. And then when he Lindbergh would read the story in the newspapers, he was utterly shocked to read a story that was completely different from what he had said, that was dramatize the things he you know, said that he had said and he hadn't and so on and it was just beyond his conception that someone wouldn't speak the exact truth and so again here you see this this habit of consciousness, this continuation of consciousness from one lifetime to the next
1: Richard, stand by you and I have to uh, take our final break for this hour Richard Salvas is our special guest he's the author of Soul Journey from Lincoln to Lindbergh, his website is reincarnation Dot com. And still to come on tonight's show, we're going to be speaking to Steve, uh, I'm sorry, Bruce Goldwell, and our final guest tonight is going to be Susan Titus. My name's Rob McConnell, this is The Exxon, and I'll be back with our special guest, Richard Salva, on the other side of this commercial break, as The Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, exclusively on Talkstar. Yo, www.thexzonestore.com. With each new extreme weather event or terrorist act, it becomes increasingly obvious that we live in uncertain and challenging times. We all buy car insurance. Why not collapse and catastrophe insurance? Matthew Stein, an MIT-trained engineer and green builder, has written two outstanding books to help people prepare, plan for, and deal with everything from minor situations lasting a few days to full-on collapse. Matt's first book, When Technology Fails, is a manual for self-reliance, sustainable living, and surviving the long emergency. This massive book covers the gamut from first aid and emergency preparedness to alternative healing, renewable energy, primitive living skills, and 18th-century technologies that could be critical to your comfort and survival in a long-lasting crisis. Matt's second book, When Disaster Strikes, is a comprehensive emergency preparedness handbook and survival guide. When Disaster Strikes is an essential item for every family's go-bag. Both books are available at all usual sources. There's a wealth of totally free information posted at WhenTechFails.com. And author signed copies may be purchased at mattstein.com. That's www.wentechfails.com and wwwm
0: xzbn.net
1: Richard Salvas is our special guest this hour. We're talking about his, uh, his book. It's entitled Soul Journey from Lincoln to Lindbergh, www.lincolnreincarnation.com. Richard, if the premise of your book is true, then why did Lincoln reincarnate as Lindbergh?
2: Well, you know, when Abraham Lincoln died, he had just uh, completed his life mission, as it were. Uh, he held the country together through the Civil War. Uh, He'd started the process, at least, of freeing all the slaves by issuing the Emancipation Proclamation. And, in fact, uh, we were talking about the end of the war. Uh, It had been only about a week or so since Robert E. Lee had signed the treaty at Appomattox before Abraham Lincoln was shot and killed. Uh, There were still men dying on the battlefield, but the war was basically, essentially over. And so his, his life mission, if you will, you look at his life and it just seems like it ended so suddenly. What might have happened after that? What might he have earned? What acclaim might have come his way? What, what love might have been showered on him in his second presidency and at the end of his life we may never know? But uh, he certainly earned those sort of rewards in his lifetime. And, in fact, I often say to people that I felt like he left that physical body with a big car- uh, payment due stamped on his forehead. And uh, then you see in the life of Charles Lindbergh, at a very young age, he flew the Atlantic, and people just just went crazy over him. They just showered him with affection and adoration. They said he was like a new Hercules or so on. They compared him favorably with Abraham Lincoln and other great giants of history, and this, this affection for him and this, 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 this love for him uh, lasted throughout his life. Many people still, even at the end of his life, he... Uh, still receive that sort of adoration. So you see that Abraham Lincoln needed to come back to receive the payment that he was due karmically for his good deeds uh, in his life as Charles Lindenberg.
1: Did Lindenberg give any indication that he knew he had been Abraham Lincoln?
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I look for that because, uh, as Yogananda Yogananda had said, this was an advanced soul. And you talked about scientific evidence of reincarnation, but... Yogananda, he didn't, he, even thinking of historical evidence, he didn't search libraries for uh, case studies of people who had similarity in their lifetime before he made that pronouncement about Lincoln and Lindbergh. He just intuited it deeply within. Uh, somebody, uh, in the, the teachings in India and in Hinduism and yoga are that if you can go deep enough into meditation, when you can start to see that this physical body is not your reality, then you can realize uh, other physical bodies that you've inhabited and other lessons that you've learned in other lifetimes and uh, so for these these two men you can you can see those those sort of connections.
1: Richard, one quick question: is your book proof of reincarnation?
2: Well, we spoke of that. Is it possible to find categorical proof and as I said i don't believe it's possible in the mm-hmm. physical world but I think my book comes pretty close. I've done a study of pretty much uh, all the reincarnation books out there and many of them are quite fascinating but I don't think any of them give quite as powerful an argument for the possibility of reincarnation as mine does.
1: Richard thank you very much for joining us. Uh, continued success and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you very much Rob. Good night sir. Richard Salva, www.lincolnreincarnation.com. He is the author of Soul Journey from Lincoln to Lindbergh. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour, Bruce Goldwell is going to be with me. This guy has a fascinating story. It's basically...
0: Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores, so stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and Auto Pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.
1: Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would.